Lord, to be a nursery worker. Can I get a witness, somebody? I also want to point out today that we have our translation back. You may have noticed, if you are bilingual and prefer that, you can see our friends in the lobby, and they will get you a first, uh, our first impression team, they will get you a translator, that we are bilingual today. Um, you may have noticed and said, well, why are... Why have we not been bilingual? Well, our, our translation system disappeared, folks. We thought someone stole it, and it was a big deal. And so, nevertheless, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 26. But we were concerned that uh, the translation system had walked away. And, uh, and we had found it after three weeks of searching high and low and all over the place in a remote part of the school. Dun, 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 and the plot thickens, nevertheless. So um, we're thrilled to have translation back, and that is something that is going to be very, very exciting, um, that we are bilingual again, and eventually we'll be trilingual and quadlingual and I guess it would be pentalingual, I don't know, multilingual, we'll just say multilingual, that just covers a, 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 a vast variety there, nevertheless, okay. Matthew 26 and 6, very excited today, and today is Baptismal Sunday, we're very excited about Baptismal Sunday, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in the message today, but uh, I, I'm going to read the same scripture I read last week, Matthew 26, starting in verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head. And as he sat at meat, and when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble? Ye the woman, for he, she hath brought a good work upon me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured out this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him, being Jesus, unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Amen. I want to preach to you the second part of this. This is what I didn't get to cover last week, but we're going to try to see if we can land the plane today. And we're going to talk on this subject, uh, when the opportunity presents itself, part two. When the opportunity presents itself, part two. Amen. And uh, turn around to somebody and say, oh, opportunities. And then you may be seated. There's nice alliteration there for those of you that are taking note. Amen. Last week, I started to lay the foundation of the thought that every single person deals with, and oftentimes we interact with these things, and people can confuse and often may not have a proper perspective 
on what opportunities are. In fact, what we know is, is that opportunities are often sometimes people when they come, they say, hey, this has got to be of God. It's an opportunity here. And I used the story last week showing the, the difference between Elisha and Elisha and as they were going from each place and the significance of the place and how each place represented a different type of maybe thing that we would face in our walk with God. But each opportunity that they faced was really a temptation. And that temptation was, hey, you can stay here, but is this really what God wants for you? Is this really what you're willing to go to? And what we understand is, is that every single Christian, every single person will have opportunities that come to them in life. Sometimes even when they're not searching or seeking opportunities, oh, here's a door. And the, the, the deception and the, 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 the sad part is, is when you think every opportunity is of God, there becomes a problem. Because what we understood as of last week is that opportunities are actually a little bit more than just, hey, here's an open door, let me walk through it. So let me dive right in for the sake of time and the sake of covering this unique thought and approach to our everyday life. And if you're taking notes, you may want to write these down that first we see that just because opportunities exist, they don't mean they are from God. And that's what we talked about last week. Just because an opportunity exists doesn't mean it's necessarily from God. And last week we understand at the end of service, I mentioned that opportunity, it isn't always from God. And open doors are not always orchestrated by God. What we see is that just because it's an open door doesn't mean you walk through it. Just because it's something that you want doesn't mean that you walk through it. Open doors and opportunities are so important because they actually reveal the sovereignty of God. And this is a theological thought that I want to tackle with you today. When you talk about this thinking of open doors, and as a pastor, I get these types of conversations that, well, pastor, do I need to take this job? A recruiter reached out to me, and hey, they've given me a job opportunity. Surely this is God causing me to walk through this door. Should I take it? And oftentimes I say, pray about it. And pray the prayer. God, open the doors that need to be opened and close the doors that need to be closed. Just because it's a door doesn't mean it's from God. And so then we find that when there's other people, and sometimes people find this if they're single, they may run into someone and there may be chemistry. And they may say, hey, I like this person. And hey, maybe we should get married. And maybe we should hook up. And is this, this has got to be the right person. Hey, they're even a Christian pastor. Surely this is what God wants for me. And oftentimes I pull my glasses down because now I have glasses, I can do that. Pull my glasses down and I look at them and I say, well, how do you know? And they say, well, there's someone of the opposite gender and they like me and they're Christians. It seems like this is God's will. And then I do the classic, are you sure? I, that's the best part of having glasses. That's the only good part I've found thus far. <laughs> Use that as the, are you sure? But nevertheless... But the point comes to is then there's people, then they get married and, and sometimes there's red flags and then you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then later on, they reflect in a relationship and this is often the interesting part is that, that they, thought, they thought was perfect and divinely of God and God gave this person to me. I've heard in teenagers, like, pastor, God gave me this person. 
Are you sure? How do you know? Well, we both like Lucky Charms. That's got to be of the Lord. Who knew that someone else on the planet liked Lucky Charms, right? Just because there's an opportunity, just because things align, don't necessarily mean that it's from God. But why then are there opportunities? Because this is the beauty of it reveals the sovereignty of God. That's why there's opportunities. And now, now watch this. And, and when you think of this, this is sovereignty is revealed in opportunity. The most beautiful design of God is that he is the creator, but he has given the creature the opportunity to choose. That's the beauty of our life. That's the beauty of God is not forcing us into a, a relationship with. He's not saying you must do this. He is not a dictator. He is not somebody that's, that's saying, ah, if you're going to, to do this or else it's not, or you're dead. No, no, no. He gives us the choice to decide. And sovereignty has consequences, but it allows us the opportunity to decide. So watch this. How could you have choice if you never had a chance to choose? How can you do those things? If, if you say, God, you've given me the choice to serve you or you've given me the choice to walk away, you've given me the choice to do good or bad, you've given me the choice, how can you ever prove that God is God and we have freedom unless we have opportunity? Ah, mind blown, right? Opportunity is actually divinely appointed by God to prove his sovereignty that you have choice that you can choose what you're going to do and that's why love is so important uh, it, love would not mean anything if they had to right if they're mandated to but there's a difference when they want to right now my wife gives me a tough time I'm going to give the, this illustration and analogy that my wife gives me a really tough time because when I come home sometimes I will um, kiss and tickle and make the kids uh, love on dad and and I will tackle them and tickle them and love on them until sometimes it's just they're overwhelmed with it and uh, my son especially is in this boat my, my daughter will will we'll, we'll do it for hours but my son after about two kisses I'll say give dad kisses and he'll, he'll just say no now he's almost two so get the picture he's in the terrible twos right but 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 the, the context I'll say come on give dad kisses and he'll go no and I'll say and I'll just kiss him anyway I'll just like literally pull him close and I'll just kiss him just for the fun of it, right? Because I'm, I'm bigger and I'm going to do that. And, and I'm dad and I can do that, right? Uh, the context of, is there's a whole lot of a different response when I'm making him give me a kiss or I'm bribing him to give me a kiss to where sometimes my awesome five-year-old daughter will, she'll just be at the table and she'll say, Daddy, I love you. And I say, oh, come here, baby. What do you want? You want candy? Whatever you want. It's all yours, right? There's a difference in the response when you begin to say, God, hey, I come before you and I love you. There's a difference in the response when we come to church and we say, Lord, I love you today. I worship you and I thank you for who you are. And that's the beautiful design of choice is it gives us a chance to, hey, say, God, I'm showing you out of my heart that I love you. And opportunity reveals God's sovereignty and it reveals God's character and it reveals God's nature. And that's the beauty is that he shows this throughout the 
word of God. He even shows it in the opportunity of the when Jesus is tempted. And I preached at the very uh, end of the altar going, some of you may have missed this. But if you think of this, at the end of, the, uh, uh, of, this t- of fasting, Jesus goes. And in Matthew chapter 4, what do we see? In Matthew chapter 4, the devil comes to Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles, he gives him the three temptations. And the temptations are, if you'll do this, if you'll do that, if you can do this. He, he, he goes through and he says, hey, if you will, if you're the son of God, turn the stones into bread. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down and the angels will keep you up. Hey, if, if, if you really want this, worship me and I'll give you all the glory of the world. And all three times Jesus responded with, The word of God. He quotes the word of God, which is the power of the word of God. But what we understand in our lesson, in our context, is that all three of those were actually opportunities. But they don't mean that they're from God. All three of them were actually temptations. They're actually saying, hey, what's in your heart? What are you really wanting to do? What is in deep, deep, deep down? And that's the scary part, is that the devil will tempt us And God allows it. Why does he allow us? Because number one, it shows us our choice. He gives us this opportunity. Are you going to choose good or are you going to choose evil? Is it what you want or is it not what you want? Do you want to serve me or do you want to serve the Lord? Over and over he's giving us these opportunities. That's why they're there. And even good opportunities aren't necessarily God opportunities. And that's what we have to understand. God, is this your will? God, is this your perfect will? Is this really what you want for me in those things? And we find that in all three of those things, he's tempting Jesus. He's tempting him, saying, are you going to bail out? Are you going to choose the easy way? Are you going to do something that's not necessarily the divine design or plan of God? So opportunities are actually sometimes a scary thing. Somebody say amen. So watch this. This is the second point. This is where we're going today. Opportunity is sometimes actually the obstacle. Opportunity is actually sometimes the obstacle. And when we understand opportunity, we find this in Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. Where is this opportunity? In the perfect design and plan of God. What do we see in the middle of the garden, in the middle of this beautiful creation? Opportunity. Choice. The tree of Good and evil. What is this opportunity here? Why would God do that? Reveals his sovereignty. It reveals his nature. It reveals what this is. But that opportunity was actually the obstacle saying, be careful. There is a pitfall here. There's something that could happen. There's a problem here. And when we aren't careful, when we're not uh, aware of this, we can easily fall into a trap just because it's available. Availability does not necessarily mean it's God's design or will for our life. Now, are you ready to dive into our situation today? In our text, in Matthew 26, we read of this story. Now, when you read of the alabaster box, we find that the alabaster box is this story that's known over and over. When we see the alabaster box, we find that in our text... This woman comes to Jesus and she kneels down and she breaks this ointment. She breaks this anointing 
And she breaks this and she begins to worship the Lord. And let me just say this today is that there's a time where we need to bring a sacrifice of worship unto the Lord. A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of anointing. And I thank God that sometimes we'll clap our hands and sometimes we'll lift our hands. I wonder if sometimes the Lord's saying, you could give me a little more than that. I wonder if sometimes we can give him a little more in our praise and a little more in our worship and a little more of who we are. Just say, God, you know what? I, I want to worship you today. I want to love you today. God, I want to give you more today than what I gave you last week. And God, I want to give you more today than what I gave you last year. God, I I want to give you some more today. A sacrifice of praise. Everybody shout sacrifice. And we find that as she's going into the sacrifice, she's giving this unto the Lord and she kneels down at his feet. And as she's doing this, she's washing the, the, the Lord's feet with her tears. And there's this unbelievable opportunity and expression of worship that isn't found anywhere in the Bible. It wasn't the custom. It wasn't the standard. It wasn't the norm. Here we find this lady kneeling down, washing Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. And we see the brief instance in Matthew 26, in verse 8, when the disciples saw it. They are indignant and they say, what is wrong? What is going on? Why is this happening? What in the world could be causing this woman to do this? They are frustrated at the opportunity. Why are they frustrated? Well, that's a good question. Let's examine that. Brother Mike, the reason they're frustrated, are they mad at the worship? Not really. Remember, they're the disciples. Surely they're not mad at just someone worshiping the Lord, right? No, 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 that can't be what it is. So then are they worshiping that it's a, a woman? No. We see lots of interactions there. They're frustrated because of what she's doing and the amount of sacrifice that she's giving. Can I just pause for a second? Be careful when you begin to be critical of other people's sacrifice of worship. Can I preach for a second right there up in the house? It's, it may be just me, but I'm going to preach by myself for a second, Jared. So let me just see if I can lock and load. But watch this. When people start to criticize other people's worship because of what they're doing or how much they're giving to God, that's a sign that something's not right in their life. And that should be a sign in your life. When you start saying, well, I don't know why they got to be like that. I don't know why you got to. Here, let me just say, you don't know what God's done for them that's causing them to worship. You don't know what situation and you don't know their story. You don't know their journey. You don't know how they may have just gotten out of a bad place, but God's been good and he's been faithful. He gave them victory. You don't know maybe what's going on behind the scenes. They were there with maybe about to slit their wrists or they've been fighting depression, but God's been faithful and all of a sudden they feel like they're coming out of that and they've got some hope and they've got some joy. You don't know what kind of frustration they've been facing. All of a sudden something happens in the midnight hour. You don't know that that's why they're saying, God, I'm giving you praises in this situation. Or you don't know necessarily what they're going through at their home and you don't know what they're going through in their past you don't know the baggage that they brought through for years and years and then they come before God they start to lift their hands and worship and they may be a little louder than what you prefer they may clap a little louder than what you prefer they may jump a little more than what you prefer but what you don't know is what God's doing in their life see you got to be careful when you begin to criticize the other people in their worship 
Because sometimes it's not just what God's done for them, but they're praising in advance and worshiping in advance for what God is going to do for them. It's like what Paul and Silas said when they were in prison in the midnight hour. The Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises unto God. Why? They're in a bad situation, but it was their praise and worship that broke them out of their prison. Can I just give a word to somebody tonight? Some of the reason you're in the same situation you're in is because you're not praising and worshiping God in advance for your miracle. You're waiting to see what God will do. And God's saying, if you'll do it now, then I'll get you out of it. Now, that wasn't in my notes, so I got to get back to this. Let me focus for a second. You got to be careful of worship, though. And if there's one thing we are, we're worshipers. I don't know about you, but I, I, I have an envy for a worshiper or somebody that says, God, I love you today. I'm willing to give you more for you than what I'm willing to give for the world. It's amazing how people will spend a whole bunch of money and go to a concert or go to a ball game and act like a bunch of hooligans, but they come to God and clap your hands unto God. Golf clap. Raise your hands unto God. Looks like they're just doing the wave on the side, right? No, watch this. It's amazing how people can act one way, but then when it comes to God, they're oh, totally different. Oh, somebody, hear me today. That we've got to be worshipers. We've got to love the Lord. And it's not just my preference. It's God, I'm giving you my all. Now let me just say this. Since I'm just firing shots at everybody, I might as well take one more. Turn to somebody and say, you getting shot at too? It's like that great movie, Black Hawk Down. You ever seen the movie, Black Hawk Down? Anybody? No? This is a cool, hashtag cool culture pastor reference right here. Insert here. Right? You know the movie, Black Hawk Down. The sergeant's driving, and the other guy gets in, and he goes, Sarge, I've been shot. And the guy looks at him and says, we've all been shot. Get in the car. That's like you all. We've all been shot. We might as well take one more. The, the, the issue is, is that you and God are the only one that can determine your worship. But the question is, is are you really giving God the same as you give in other areas? And that, that's only for you to decide. But if you can get more excited about certain things than you can in your worship, there's a problem. And it's an issue of the heart. And we talked about that. Because you're settling for those things. And I believe the Lord said fairly clearly, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love him with everything in you. So where do we find the problem? The problem is that these disciples, which is crazy. Get the timeline of this. These jokers have been with Jesus. This isn't their first day on the job. Get the picture. This is after hanging out with him for three years. This is hanging out with him and seeing everything that he's done. When you read the New Testament, when you read your Bible, everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they've seen with their own eyes. This is the end. He's getting ready to be crucified. In my I can't say this specifically. I can't pinpoint the exact day. But let's say if Easter's Resurrection Sunday, right? 
That means that Jesus died on Friday, Good Friday, right? He dies on Friday, he's crucified Thursday night there in the garden. That would mean that sometime in that realm between next Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, and this is this story, right? And as this story's going down specifically as they're in the house, Judas is now upset. And we find that the disciples are so upset. Why are they upset? Because when they say, wait a second, verse 9, for this ointment might have been sold. This opportunity could have been given for so much more. Jesus, why did you allow this opportunity here? There's, there's a greater opportunity over here. Don't you know we could have sold this and given it to that? Don't you know, Jesus, that... That was a year's salary when she breaks that bottle of ointment. I mean, it's to pour it out on his feet. Don't you know what we could give for that year? Dude, can you imagine? Now, I don't know what you make in your salary, but can you imagine saving for years and years and years, taking your whole year's salary, buying something, and then saying, I'm going to give this to God, and it's over in one experience? Sounds pretty crazy. Kind of like this YouTube channel that they go and they explore, right? And they'll say, here's like a $900 taco versus a $2 taco. And it's like, which one's better? Anybody seen that channel? Unbelievable. Don't watch it. It's a deep, dark hole that will suck you in for hours and hours. YouTube is a dirty place, folks. You'll be sitting there going, I don't know. Is the $400 cup of coffee as good as the $3 cup of coffee? I don't know. Is it? What do they think? I need to go try this. There will be like pancakes with gold toppings on. Like, this is a $1,000 pancake. These are IHOP pancakes. Which one's better? I don't know. Let's find out. It's like must-see TV. You're like, next, 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 next. I must watch more of this. Any witnesses in the house? Pastors are shamed up here. They're shaming me, shunning me up here. Okay. Thank you, Kim Sue. You're not admitting it, but people are pointing at you, which means, hey... That's all right, me and you, sister, we're guilty together. But can you get the picture? That's what this is. It's not like they're giving a house. It's not something of lasting experience. It's a one moment. Hey, here it is. This is the experience. Boom, we break it. A year's salary. Can you imagine everything you make in a year? You buy this crazy bottle and then you come and pour it out and Jesus speaks it. Here you go, Lord. You can kind of see why some people be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What you doing? First of all, somebody should have said, whoa, 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 why are you buying that? But nevertheless. But watch. Disciples are upset. Why are they upset? They don't view opportunity the same. They look at this as, hey, this is something, and we could take this and put this into a better opportunity. Therefore, because this is a better opportunity, this is the right choice. Because this is the right choice, surely this has a good point, a good result, good morality, and this is surely what God wants. Wrong! Do you see the point? Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not waste. It's worship. You're valuing opportunity of what you think is better and lasting and more. Whereas God values opportunities. This is worship and you're investing in the kingdom of God. And this is actually God's will. 
if we look in the natural, you can see where the disciples say, sure, you can give a whole lot more and you can give a, a whole lot more impact and better and benefit. This has got to be the right thing. But Jesus says, no. No, 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 no. Because he looks in the spiritual, not in the natural. He looks in his perfect will, not in what we think. Opportunities can actually be an obstacle. And watch where this goes wrong. Watch how this breaks down. So we find, who goes? Judas. Why is Judas important? Well, Judas takes the opportunity. And because he doesn't process it right, because he doesn't understand it, he gets something in his spirit. Now, Judas, we understand, was the one that held the money bags, is what the Bible says. In fact, Judas is the one in the Bible who was, he was in charge of the money. He was the CFO. He was the, he was the guy that was the treasurer. He was the guy that wrote the checks in the 12, right? He's the guy that held all the money. And as he's holding the money, he is now upset and he is now upset because this is a money decision. And he is looking at this from a financial opportunity. He's looking at this as uh, dollars and cents. He is looking at this from an economical perspective. And as he's looking at this, he says, whoa, 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 this is bad. But notice that the Bible doesn't say Judas was the only one that thought that. Mm, can I just throw this in there? This is so good. The Bible says the disciples, not just Judas. Why were the other disciples upset? I like to think that Judas had to mumble something to them. Can you believe what they're doing? Do you know we could use that money for this? Why would the disciples be upset? Not their money, not their worship, not their care. Why would they be upset? It's not in their realm. Why would they be upset? The Bible says the disciples, groups more than one. But then we find the very next verse where it's very specific, where it says Judas separates himself. The disciples processed it and got over it. Jesus said, oh, it's worship. Okay, Lord, if that's what you say. But the Bible says that Judas changes himself. And he, he goes and Judas goes and betrays the Lord. And we find if you go down to verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas. What does Judas say? What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. What he's looking for is opportunity. See, the Bible, when you begin to talk about Judas, this opportunity turns into an obstacle because he doesn't understand what the Lord's doing. He doesn't understand the perfect will of God, so he gets upset. And the Bible says that over and over that in Luke 22 and 3, then entered Satan into Judas, being one of the 12. When does this happen? The Bible actually talks about this. And then John says this very interestingly thing as well, where he says in John 13 too, and as supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas... To betray him. Matthew doesn't say that, but Luke and John give this interest that there's something that happens in the heart when he doesn't process opportunity right. Hmm, fairly interesting thought, isn't it? And at that point, he goes and he's willing to betray Jesus and he's willing to sell him for 30 pieces of silver. A dime in the bucket compared to the ointment that he was frustrated over. He said, this isn't, I'll give them to you for 30 pieces of silver. I'm, I'm willing to give you for less than a year's salary. I'm willing to give you Jesus. And he makes a contract or a covenant with the chief priest. 
And we see that in this opportunity that actually becomes the greatest obstacle in the life of Judas, that he, the Bible says that, and from that time on, he sought opportunity to betray him. Hear me today. The response to opportunity can determine a whole lot of what happens in your future. Because opportunity may not necessarily be from God, and opportunity may actually be the greatest obstacle that you ever face. So watch this. Opportunities may not just cause you to miss out, but the misstep could unleash unintended consequences that can never be put back. After he makes the decision, because he doesn't understand what's right, he goes and he says, I'll give you Jesus. We find just a few days later that Jesus is in the garden. And as he is in the garden of Gethsemane, it is at that point the other disciples are praying. What's fascinating is nobody says, hey, where's Judas? You seen the other guy of the 12? Isn't that fascinating that the Bible doesn't say, nobody asked, where's Judas? Well, remember at the Last Supper, Judas actually is told that he's going to betray the Lord. It was already predetermined by this, that he had already made a covenant before the Last Supper. And as he does such... He walks up to Jesus and he gives Jesus a kiss. And Jesus says to Judas, you betrayed the Son of Man, but kiss Judas. Is that how you do this? And at that point, the disciples began to fight. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Put your swords away. This is the will of God. It's not the will of God that we fight. The disciples were willing to look at opportunity and say, no, no, no. You're not going to take him from us. We're going to fight. And Peter pulls out a sword and chops off a guy's ear. And if you read that scripture, Jesus immediately heals the man's ear. Can I throw this in there for free, somebody? The reason the disciples were willing to fight with swords is because they, they weren't fighting with devotion. Watch this. If you learn to fight with devotion, they should have been praying. And if they were praying, instead they were sleeping. So instead of fighting in devotion and fighting where they were supposed to fight, when the battle came, they were going to fight with swords in the natural. There's too many times people begin to fight in the natural because they think that's the only thing they've got. And it's their opportunity because they're operating in the flesh rather than devotion. When you operate in devotion, they would have understood why Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. Not my will be done, but thy will. Not my opportunity be done, but Lord, what you desire for me. Oh, somebody catch this. See, if, if you get the context of what Jesus has, sometimes we begin to fight battles in the flesh. The Lord says, no, no, I want you to fight them with devotion in the word. How did Jesus fight the temptation with the devil? Through the word. How did he fight after fasting? He comes and uses the word. How did, they, how did he overcome this? Prayer. Gethsemane. And it was after this happened. Let's all stand. I'm done. Watch this. Let me see if I can put this together. Watch this. The opportunity that you may think is actually what God wants. Judas thought he was doing the right thing. Judas is so upset because he never gets his heart right. And he never comes to a place of repentance what happens is, is he takes a misstep, thinking everything's the right thing. Watch this, Jerome. 
The Bible says that after Jesus was convicted, Judas was sorrowful. So sorrowful, he throws the 30 pieces of silver down. He runs out and watch the result of Judas. The Bible says Judas hangs himself. Why? Because the opportunity that he thought that he never got over was actually the greatest obstacle. And that misstep was something he could never put back. He, he, he said, no, 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 he's actually innocent too late. No, 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 you don't understand. When, when we begin to do this, let me give you this context. When we are facing decisions, be careful. Because sometimes when you make the decision, you can't go back. I didn't know my kids were going to end up in drugs and hanging out in that regard. I thought letting them hang out with that crowd was okay. What we thought was an opportunity was actually an obstacle that became a misstep. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people think an opportunity was of God. And it really became the greatest obstacle and they lost out with God. I'm so hurt. I can't believe they broke up with me. I'm not coming back to church anymore. Oh, so it's God's fault because this relationship didn't work out. I understand. Not really. Where is that a problem? Because when they think the opportunity is from God, when it doesn't work out, who do they blame? When in really, that's why this is so important. This theology, this changes your concept of everyday life. Because when you understand, and not everything's of God, when it doesn't work out, guess who you don't blame? And the, sor the sorrowful place is when you read in the scriptures that Judas goes out and hangs himself. When repentance was available, when an opportunity to say, God, I'm sorry, the Lord would have forgiven Judas. Okay, I'll preach that to myself. The Lord would have forgiven Judas. There's no sin that's unforgivable. When Peter denied and betrayed Jesus, guess what he did? He forgave him. Even when Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me. No, 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 not me, Lord. Not me, God. Opportunity comes, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Oh. The Bible says Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly, but he repents. The difference is, is our response to opportunity. If we make the right decision and understand on the front end, it saves us on the back end. But the question today is, is what happens if we've already made the decision? We need to repent before God. God can give forgiveness. God can give healing. God can, God can help you through that situation. And perhaps, just perhaps, there still may be consequences. The sovereignty of God always has consequences, but he always allows choice today in this place, I don't know where you're at and I don't know what you're facing, but if you are in a situation where you can reflect back and say, God, I've got some regrets. I've, I've, I've missed some things I should have probably done differently. I'm here today to tell you, you're not alone. But the good news is, is that your future may not have to suffer. God can change. God can move. God can do that. That, that misstep, that, 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 that can be an opportunity. They say, you know, Lord, this is actually a testimony. 
Because that's the beauty of an opportunity missed, that God can create a testimony out of. And if you've never been in that situation, I'm here today to tell you that seek God when you face that. But if you have been in that opportunity, say, God, I messed this up. Your opportunity that was missed can actually become your greatest testimony. And your greatest testimony can be like Peter rather than Judas. And you can say, God, I'm going to repent of this. And today, if you've never made that step towards Christ, if you've never made that step, today is your day to get baptized. That's the first step of death, burial, and resurrection. When you repent before God, when you ask God to forgive you, that's that first step. And then when you get baptized, that's the second step where you begin to say, God, all those things are washed away. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And, and then what we find is that resurrection. When you pop out of that, the beauty of the cross is that resurrection power is that I am a new person in Christ creature and that you can be born again new today. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I challenge you. with this context is that when God is here when God is in this place how do I take the opportunity see an opportunist that makes a wrong decision has four things in common the motivation is me the motivation is gain, the tool can be manipulation, and often an opportunist will operate what they deem as suitable, not what is principle. Today you may be facing some things and the only person that knows is you in your heart and the Lord. Pastor doesn't know, your neighbor doesn't know, people you live with probably don't even know, but the Lord knows. Is this me? Is it something that I will gain? Is it I'm maybe manipulating for gain? Or am I operating out of what is suitable, not what is biblical principle? That's how you know whether it's a God opportunity or just an opportunity. God, is this something I will gain? This is something that is for me. and This is what I want, God, or is this what you want that you're giving me to walk through? Because God will give us open doors. God will give us opportunities. God will open it. Don't, don't let me get wrong on this. I, this isn't an anti-prosperity gospel message. It's not a prosperity gospel. God will bless you. God will open doors. I'm here today to tell you that sometimes when God undeniably opens a door, walk through it. Don't be afraid of open doors, but you need to be calculated and conscious and cautious of that door and to seek God. God, show me, tell me, give me peace. Is this just convenient or is this what I want? And hear me today, somebody. If you're facing that situation, if you're in the valley of decision, if you're going through a crisis, I'm here today to tell you that God will give you a peace and direction and he'll open the door. And some of those things, God will give you that promotion. God will give you that job. God will use you as a blessing to other people. I'm here today to tell you that those things happen, but not everything is always in that category. And that's the detriment. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no matter where you're at this morning, whether you were in the first category of God, I'm seeking right now. I'm struggling with a decision. I am fighting the fight. I am doing something right now. I'm here today to tell you that you're in the right place. I'm here today to tell you that God can give you direction and clarity. 
if you've made a mistake and you've made the misstep of the opportunity, today there's a place of repentance for you. A place to come before God and say, God, help me today. A place that you can come before God and say, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help me to overcome. I'm here today to tell you that there's a place that you can begin to make things right where you're at. And if you've never made that step, I'm here today to tell you today's the first step to begin to make things right. If there's issues in your heart, you need to give it to God and say, God, I want to worship you. Help my heart. The reason Judas failed was a heart issue is what John and Luke said. John said it went into his heart. Luke said it went to his heart. It's an issue of the heart that he never got the heart right. And because he never got the heart right, he's willing to sell out and sacrifice what God wanted. Today, this altar is open. I wonder if you could come down to this place and I wonder if you could find a place to pray, find a place to begin to give yourself to God and to consecrate to God. I wonder if today you begin to say, God, I don't want the opportunities to be an obstacle, but I want divine God-ordained opportunities. I want your divine will. I want your divine passion. God, I don't know what this is facing, God, but in the name of Jesus, Lord, right now, God, I want something more. I wonder if you would come down and begin to talk to God and begin to travail, begin to face God and begin to say, God, help me today. I need more strength. I need wisdom. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me today. God, help me, God. Help my heart. Help my mind, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God. I want to make the right decisions. Help me to know the right decisions. Help me to seek you and to follow you and to find you. Help me, God, to... God, to find forgiveness.